Well, now that the biggest angle on AEW is playing out on Impact, and 90% of the matches that they reference happened on Dark, AEW has decided that they're going to shut down Dynamite altogether and turn the entire company into a podcast, where they just tell us things that happened and we never actually see it. I, for one, think that will be an improvement. Great. Now we have another wrestling podcast to compete against. This and more coming up on the Miss Spots podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> whole interesting thing about AEW's new proposed all-podcast format is they also announced a new podcast on this week's episode of Dynamite. <laughs> so yeah, uh, well I, on the way there. It is interesting how much stuff happens on Dark. Yeah. Pretty much When they every put the results w- across, there's like 17 matches. I... I I, I feel like they're doing a Goldberg kind of thing where, you know, Goldberg would be on Nitro one week and he'd have like a 74 wins. And then on Nitro the next week, he'd have 97 wins. And you're like, oh, he wrestled four times a night for the last seven days. Uh, it has to be the same way on Dark. This acclaimed team, is that acclaimed? Yeah. It's acclaimed, right? They only showed up three weeks ago and they have seven straight victories. How? They don't have house shows. Uh, yeah, I mean, Big Swole, redundant. The Acclaimed. Like, there's a bunch of these people that are up in these rankings who I've never seen win a match before. <laughs> or at least they haven't won a match in a long time. All of it happens on Dark. And then Jim Ross and Shivani and Excalibur just have to tell us about it. Like, this is a really up-and-coming person that wins all the time. Trust us, they really do. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. I I know that I I mentioned when they first started running the ticker along the bottom with the dark results. I'm like, I like that. That's cool. Way to keep us up to date for those that don't watch it. But they still are making this general assumption that we all watched it anyway. And that we know who these people are and we are familiar with them. And this just this is me banging my head against the wall every fucking week with these these people. And I can't be the only one that, like, I don't know who the acclaimed are. And, I, like, I, I'm not going to say that I'm some indie darling Mark or anything like that. I try to pay attention to the indies. I've never heard of these guys before. I barely knew anything about Top Flight uh, when they came into here. And it's just like, oh, they're they're so great. Like and they just assume we're familiar with them. Like the most that I learned about acclaimed is that uh one of them's dad played tight end for in the NFL. <laughs> um There are so many people in AEW that uh, that they they talk about like they're like so 
like they're such stars when they've never shown us that they're stars. And it's a, one of the big problems with the company from the beginning is that they wanted to show everybody as being equal and doing 25 minute matches every week. And for the last year, they could have been building half that roster to be stars and really great. When's the last time we saw Jungle Boy uh, compete in, a, in a, a singles match when that guy had breakout potential? When's the last time, I mean, even with MJF being in this inner circle nonsense, you have stars that you were building that could be stars in the making, uh, Wardlow, that could be doing something and we're just, we've got the Varsity Blondes who showed up for the first time last week on Dynamite and now this next week they're in a 12-person tag team with top flight and it's... Why, these people are job guys. They they have no relevance whatsoever to this company, to this roster, and they're putting, being put on the side against the inner circle, and people are supposed to care about it. We've never heard them talk. We've never heard them. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they come from. We don't know what they want to do. Early on in Dynamite, we saw great videos for Scorpio Sky and for Cody and for Jungle Boy that started Scorpio Sky. That's a star. That's a guy who could be a star. Where's he been? Yeah, but we're going to have these miscellaneous tag teams. Yeah, doing a podcast. These have miscellaneous tag teams going out there that have Jim Ross tell us that they're good and that they win matches and that we should care when they never show us. So th- that's the, one of the biggest problems that AEW has uh, continuously. And we saw with this episode of Dynamite, which was all tag teams. I mean, we had five tag team matches or four tag team matches out of six matches tonight. And it's just, it's just, it's just just volume. It's just people on the show. It's just bodies. It's not quality. It's quantity. I said, I said a text message to you. It's the fast food model. The food's not very good, but we give you a shit ton. Well, the wrestling's not very good, but there's a lot of people on it. That's not the way to run a wrestling company. Yeah, I I almost forgot about the the Cody and Helico match. I was like, it it was all I wanted to say it was all tag team matches until the main event, but then I remembered that one. But yeah, the, uh, there was really nothing about this show that I was like, hmm. uh, other than minute little details. Like I, 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 I think I'm going to surprise you when I tell you the thing okay. that I really liked about this show. But I, I, okay. I think I cut you off while you were giving me a thought, so I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Uh, I, I, I actually did um, text this to you that I, I'm guessing that the Dave Navarro death roll whatever i'm adding the dave part in there um <laughs> but I, i'm guessing that's angelico's finishing move thing is devastating looking like it should have broke cody's knee in half uh and he fought so hard to get to the rope and he immediately got up and went into the finish that included a springboard like I, I loved and that I loved that move. I thought it was great looking, and and then Cody just got up and killed him. Uh, like not selling that so, at all. So talking about that match, I thought the the match itself was wonderful. 
I really liked that match. There wasn't a bunch of bullshit. There wasn't a bunch of unnecessary moves. There was good mat wrestling. There were good counters. There was good technical things going on. And if I take away the fact that Angelico is a goof, he (laughs) dances out to the ring like a moron. At no point does he look like a professional wrestler. And taking the fact that he is a job tag team guy, Going up against Cody, who is a is a main event guy, and taking away the fact that there's no way that a job tag team guy should be going toe to toe with Cody Rhodes for 20 minutes. But that's just AEW. You at this point, there is no going back. They are not going to stop this formula. It's like the AE. It's like WWE with uh, the the 20 minute opening promo. All you can do is grade on a curve at this point. Oh, that 20-minute uh, opening promo wasn't garbage. It was actually decent, and five minutes of it was good. So you have to give it an up. That's what AEW is at this point. This is a, is a, is a stupid match between two people who are not equal. Cody could be the AEW champion. He has gone up against Chris Jericho. He has been with the main event guys. Nobody in their right fucking mind believes Angelico will ever hold the AEW championship. Therefore, they should not be wrestling a competitive match. But put that aside. Put the logic, the reason, the understanding, the storytelling. Put everything you that everybody has ever understood about the wrestling business aside, logically, and just look at the match as it went, it was really good. I thought it was a really good match. I liked the the physical stuff in the ring looked good. Yes, a springboard right after that situation at the very end was pretty dumb. But of course it's going to be because it's AEW. But I also like the fact that Cody won with that springboard cutter. I've never seen him win with it before. He should win with a move like that, especially against a job tag team guy. He doesn't need to use his finisher in that situation. So there were some really good things about this match. I never thought I would say this about an Angelico match, but it was good for an AEW match in this situation. He he is a talented dude. Uh, I, I'll definitely say, like, because he... I, I think the fact that he his skill set goes better to mat wrestling and it keeps it from going to the outside and getting all the stupid shit that uh, almost every Cody match has and it uh, helped them. Um, if if he did more high flying twirly spinny, if if it was Jack Evans, it would have gone an extra twenty uh, an extra five minutes because they would have had outside spots in uh, that whole thing. But he's a pretty yeah. good mat wrestler, and I, I think that he's smooth with a lot of that stuff. So he's entertaining to watch in that aspect. If, if Angelico put on about 20 pounds so he didn't look like, like a string bean, if he, if he filled out and looked like a, a wrestler, he's got some good, good height. But if he filled out a little bit so he actually looked somewhat intimidating, like he could fight a guy like Cody Rhodes, which he really doesn't. But if he filled out a little bit and they pushed him, they gave him wins against other people. They gave him a a Timothy Thatcher kind of push 
in the fact that he's a, a mat wrestler that's awkward to work with and and really talented in what he's doing, and they and they push him for three four months, yeah, this would make sense because he can do some things in the ring that other people can't do, and he can he can do some really interesting counters in mat wrestling, which is something that's desperately needed in that company. Everybody does the same thing. Everyone does a dive over the top rope. Everyone does the aerial stuff. Everybody does outside spots. Everybody uses garbage cans. And and, and there's nothing special about anyone because everyone does the same thing. And this guy could stand out, but you don't just put him on TV and make it all okay. You You have to do the work. And that's the thing that this that the people in this company just don't realize. Uh, I mean, overall, this this the the overall like package of this segment, the 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 middle was good. The start of it with Cody and Brandy announcing their child with a, 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 this vignette shot with fourteen cameras in their home. I don't get this. Brandy was a heel last week with Shaquille O'Neal somehow, even though Jane Jade Cargill, who is should never be on television again, is beating her up in the backstage. I have no idea what is in the blue hell is going on. Cody used to be a white hot baby face that with a ton of fire that you wanted to get behind. Now he changes his hair to black and then he's blonde again. He goes and puts a TV show. He comes back and he's going to fight Shaq. Oh no, he's not going to fight Shaq. Shaq's just here to promote Jade Cargill. And who is this person? No one we ever want to see again. I I am so confused. Remember when he was heel for like two weeks? And yeah, he was doing a, teasing a heel turn. Like there is, if there's one person in this company that doesn't have to get too complicated, it's Cody Rhodes. And between him and Brandy, they make everything complicated every single week for absolutely no reason. So now this whole thing, and am I saying, is it Jade or Jane? Is it Jade Cargill? <laughs> Favorite thing I've ever heard you say. No, neither do I. I'm going to go with Jade for whatever reason. Jade Cargill... <laughs> One of the worst segments I've ever seen from a human being on professional wrestling television. One of the least interesting characters I've ever come across. Uh, And she's now in a feud with Brandy, but Brandy's pregnant. She's not going to go fight this person now. They had Shaquille O'Neal show up last week to have a promo cut with Brandy. It it is mind-boggling in its idiocy. Uh, so that's the start of it. And then the end of it is another confrontation with Taz's group where they get run off by a senior citizen holding a baseball bat. And there are five of them. Five of them. And Sting just came back from the old country buffet after the early bird. He's cranky. He's frustrated. He didn't get that slice of beef that he wanted. I know he's mad, but there's five of you and he's 60. Go beat that guy up for the love of God. This was WWE to the max, like with young, hungry, talented people fearing 
the AARP. It's just... I'm not trying to take anything away from Sting. But you know what? If, If fucking... Like Ken Griffey Jr. were still playing baseball into his 60s, he would not be an intimidating at bat anymore. No, like, listen. Uh, Roddy Roddy Piper, one of the greatest promos and characters of all time, he is dead. If you put his corpse up there on the stage, no one should run away from it, right? There's, there, we are not in a situation where make believe should should be this uh, this drastic. I understand he's a ratings draw for this company, and there's a way to use Sting. I'm sure that actually would fit in the context of what's happening, but they've now tranced Sting out three weeks in a row, and they've done precisely shit with him. Nothing. We don't have any contacts. We don't have any direction. We don't understand what he wants, what his motivations are. And it's not like an enigmatic, where's he going to go? It's not Sting in 1996, 1997 with WCW where we were, he was, he was an enigma and we didn't know if he was going to side with the NWO or not. This is a guy walking out with a baseball bat, saving, I guess, Cody, and then just leaving? They announced that he would be there, and this is what the... So what was the plans for Sting? Because they knew he was going to be there. Tony Schiavone mentioned it. Was this the plans? Yeah. We've carved out some time for him in this show, and this this is what he came out to do? Yeah, I I just... um, it's So it was bookended. A good match was bookended. First of all, it was a logical but a good match bookended by just gaga, just nonsense that did not serve the story at all. The opening match with Hangman Page and uh, the Dark Order job team uh, versus um, who did they even fight? I can't even remember. Uh, oh, party the private party. party. Yeah. Um, who were who the heels here? Were there heels or baby faces? Because Hangman is a baby face. Everything that happened on their side, they got cheered for by the limited crowd that was there. Matt Hardy was kind of playing heel yeah. during this and was playing heel at the end. Who are the heels? Who am I supposed to root for? The Dark Order has become a comedy sideshow baby face team for the most part because one guy has pretty big biceps. That is not <laughs> the context of... Or a reason to push someone. Hey, that guy has pretty big biceps. He has the personality of a wet saltine, but he has pretty big biceps. But they put this on. It was what an AEW tag match is. It was what the third AEW tag match was on this show. And the fourth AEW tag match was on this show. It was That was what it was. And by the way, no one got over. The storylines really didn't get progressed, at least not in, not in any meaningful way. It was just a thing that happened and made no one better. If it had not have happened, if they would have put dead air up for the first 20 minutes, it would have been as productive. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but we had AEW do what 
I think AEW does best and has do- always done best, I'm being sarcastic, uh, is intertwine people in different stories once again because we had uh, Death Triangle and their Death feud Square. with Kingston's family that is now Death Square because they have Lance <laughs> Archer kind of, sort of. But then they also came out to face off against Omega in order to announce Ray Phoenix getting a title shot uh, in two weeks. So they're also involved in the world title picture while also fighting the family and maybe Archer. I don't know. Uh, Let's go back to that segment. Who are the baby faces here? Pac is a heel. He's been a heel every moment he's been in AEW. Uh, the Lucha Brothers are heels. I know they just left another heel faction, but they never turned babyface. Lance Archer, he just beats up. Excuse me, beats up heels now. So does that make him a babyface? The new job squad, which is the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny and Eddie Kingston, who's a great mouthpiece, but the that's your faction. You manage a tag team. Uh, every single person, there were eight people involved in this and every one of them was a heel. As far as I understand the opening <laughs> match, you've got a comedy former heel tag team. that's supposed to be baby faces now because they're acting like it. So you had six baby faces all fighting each other halfway through the show. We have eight heels that all hate each other. Who am I supposed to like? Give me a reason to like anybody. Cause I like none of these people. It just goes back to what you've said before with Cody and being like, ah, heels and baby faces. That's just like an, an opinion, man. Uh, it's, it's like passe. No, but it matters. It's the basis of all narrative storytelling from the beginning of time till now. That's what it is. And past The now. end of story. Yeah. And, and tomorrow as well, shockingly enough. And also, shockingly enough... Dustin Rhodes proved that a 30-second promo with passion and fire against a guy, Evil Uno, who, if I never see him wrestle again, it will be too soon, could actually be one of the best things on the show. Who would have thought that a quick 30-second promo delivered with passion is real professional wrestling, even in 2020? Because that was one that was good. That is what you need. You just need a guy to come out with fire and believability. Yes, half of his face looked like he borrowed Pete Dunne's spray-on tan. Sure, it was distracting. But he he sold this, that this was something he needed to do, someone he wanted to get his hands on, and it's a heel versus a baby face. And even though I don't particularly want to see uh, Evil Unu, Unu, Evil Unu wrestle, I am happy to watch this match Unu, next week. Unu. Yeah, it, this is one match that makes sense going into next week. And it took a 30-second promo from a pro to do it. Yeah, that that is a good point. Uh, I was just enamored by his face. I was like, oh, is he painting his whole face now? Like, was he starting on doing a jack-o'-lantern on the other side and then realized, <laughs> oh, fuck, it's not Halloween season anymore. 
oh, I'm on in like 15 seconds. Guess I'm going out looking like this. <laughs> uh, it was a little distracting. Yeah. Um, Serena Deeb also later on in the night, Allie, my wife, said, oh, man, that's a really what's a really aggressive spray tan. So apparently that's just what's going on these days in pro wrestling. Apparently Donald Trump has made it acceptable for people to be orange again. Maybe they're all MAGA people. Lord knows that the Bucks and frickin' Trish Jericho are. Um, I want to thank AEW for something here. Even though I've belittled most of everything except for the Cody promo or the Dustin promo and the Cody Rhodes match, they had the kindness to halfway through the show as a palate cleanser give me a six-on-six tag team match that I was absolutely certain absolutely certain that I did not have to pay attention to. When it was announced, when the people were coming out, I went, oh, I can play on my computer. I can go get a drink on the fridge. I can use the bathroom. Nothing of substance in any way, shape, or form will happen during this match. And they gave that to me as a, it was basically intermission. They gave me an intermission for the show by putting on this illogical, idiotic tag match with a bunch of nobodies that no one will ever care about versus a weak, frail comedy team that makes no sense in being together. It was great. Thank you, AEW. My my wife paid more attention to this match than I did. And she goes, (laughs) uh, like, probably halfway through, this match is pretty boring. I was like, (laughs) yes. Yes. Spot on. Uh, and then, uh, I think just the main event at this no, point. No, we had battle, we had, we had a battle rap. Oh, battle Jesus, raps. Forgot about that. Right. The acclaimed yep, the, versus the te- SCU. So the biggest thing to come out of this, other than the rapping thing, and I, you know what, whatever it is, what it is, um, Excalibur at the end of this match said this he said that this was a huge upset for the acclaimed to beat scu currently the acclaimed are the number five ranked tag team in aew do you want to guess where scu is ranked in aew unranked unranked so an unranked team lost to the number five ranked team in what way and in what universe has that ever been an upset pick a fucking lane if you want to give the acclaimed a nobody tag team that we've never seen before up until two weeks ago if you want to give them 17 wins on a show that no one watches and pretend like that makes them somebody's that we should care about and then use that fiction to sell a bill of goods that they are the number five ranked team in your whole entire company then go with it in the world of professional wrestling sell it don't then tell me that this this uh this veteran team uh losing to this upstart is a big deal because it's not because you're giving me a narrative that doesn't fit that 
if you don't want to have your rankings or you want to actually do things where they're not ranked because Lord knows they shouldn't be and have the fact they lost to a, they beat a veteran team be a big deal, that's a fine narrative to push. And it works. And by the way, those guys look like wrestlers. They're big. They've got some athleticism to them. They didn't look terribly out of place. I'm not saying that they're the best thing in the world, but given the right uh, the right booking, they could be something. Who knows? But I just hate this one foot in, one foot out nonsense. AEW wants to tell us over and over again stuff that does not make sense in the context of what we actually see on a week-to-week basis. I hated that. Just I, I just decided to look up AEW Dark on YouTube. And the episode that aired the previous night has 255,000 views. This, between that and around like, you probably have about 100,000-ish jump in some of these episodes. So, like, this is nowhere close to the amount of people that they get that watch Dynamite. It's a half to a third of their audience, yes. Yeah. And they are treating it like everyone watches this show. And I guess that they can probably try to say fake it till you make it. And like, just if they keep on saying it, you'll get enough people to be like, fine, I'll go fucking watch this stupid fucking show so I can see what they're doing. But that's, that's not, you're going to get a few people that way. You're not going to get a ton. It's the show that they put all the people signed to the roster on that don't make sense to be on Dynamite. That's what, yeah. what it is. That's what that show has been from the beginning. There's no reason to watch it. And listen, even in the days when we had sun- Sunday Night Heat from WWE, they would give us recaps. I'm not a huge fan of just giving us recaps, but if that's what you need to do, take out one of these pointless tag matches that doesn't further a storyline in any way, shape, or form, give us a 30-second promo from MJF for the frickin' Uh, inner circle and give us a recap of dark for the week before show us the up and coming person that we're going to see on dynamite for the first time next week that could be a good primer for giving someone a little bit of a push giving them a storyline to sink their teeth into but they never give us that because it's not professionals running this company it's not people who know how to book television know how to hook people in you know, it's a guy who took has a bunch of money from his parents and is a wrestling fan. Cool. And a bunch of guys who have never been in a major professional wrestling organization and certainly never been the bosses of it. Uh, so it, 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 it's, it's run like amateur hour because it's done by amateurs. That's some pretty harsh criticism. I mean, it is. I mean, the only yeah. professionals in this company, the people who have been in the big time, guys like Jericho, guys like Moxley, they they apparently are not in the in creative control of it. And someone like Jericho, I mean, is run amok. I mean, he's just doing comedy. He's in no way doing the kind of things he was doing early on in the show. Apparently, it's what he likes to do is just do the dinner debonair. That's what he likes. So he's doing it. It's the same situation where, you know, Vince McMahon likes fart jokes. So 
he does those because it, it tickles him. J- Chris Jericho is basically Vince McMahon for for AEW. The stuff that he does isn't funny, it isn't creative, it isn't interesting, but he seems to enjoy it, so he gets to do it. But he's one of the only people who have been in this industry for a long time, and you would think would know better. Yeah. Uh, All right, so the main event, that that was hard (laughs) to say. Um, In name only, yes. Yeah. Joey Janela taking on Kenny Omega in a no disqualification match. Now, when they first announced this, I was like, what the fuck does this have to do with, like, why? All right, they tied it up a little bit better when the match was getting started. I agree. By bringing us back to the tournament and all of that. Like, okay. Still, like, all right, he wants, a, he wants a match against Kenny. He absolutely deserves that. But, or not necessarily deserves, but it, it makes sense. But why no DQ? The, the, this isn't that intense of a feud or, or, or thing that needs to be no DQ. And then... Can, can I... I'm sorry, but can I fix this for no, you? Yeah, go ahead. Can I fix this for you? Start of AEW Dynamite. You get Don Callis and Kenny Omega walking into the arena. And that war- walking cardboard cutout, Alex Marvez walks up, shoves a microphone in his face and says, we announced, the AEW announced that we're going to have you versus Joey Janela in a no DQ match for this, for uh, for tonight. We hear that you actually requested this match. Why? And Don Callis goes, well, the reason was is that we're hearing rumblings that Joey Janela was never eliminated from the tournament. And Kenny Omega, he's a, you know, he's a, uh, he's a fighting champion. So he's going to take this guy on in his kind of match. His little street fight, his no DQ, his backyard wrestling nonsense. Kenny Omega's a real champion and he's going to, and he requested to have uh, Joey Janela in this match tonight. Any more questions? Walks away. We have the context. We talked about why he's there. We talked about why it's an ODQ match. And we don't have to have the announcers trying to cover for the fact that we didn't explain any of this last week or this week. Yeah. Fixed. If you want to do it, there's re- there's ways to do it better. Please continue. Very true. Good job. Um, then uh, Joey Janela nearly destroyed Kenny Omega's face. Uh, with a very dangerous looking leg drop off the top to the outside through a table where I think you were saying before we went on air, he practically sat on Omega's face. He looked like he was, uh, he was shook, man. You know, he took that when he, he didn't look comfortable up there. All the contrived stuff on the outside were, we start setting up chairs and tables because everyone's a interior an interior designer and not a wrestler was stupid. When Omega did the dive on to Janela when he was sitting down in the chair on the outside, something about that just looked off to me. And I felt like at one point Janela was getting thrown back in the ring and he 
kind of refused and just fell back down on the outside. Now, that obviously could have been like, oh, Kenny, we have more stuff to do out here. So I need to stay on the outside. Uh, so that that obviously could have been the case. But it also looked a little bit like it to me that maybe he was just in a bad way. Maybe he just took that awkwardly. Maybe he was knocked a little bit loopy. But he looked like he was on jelly legs for the next 10 minutes. He did not look comfortable. He went to go under the ring to grab something and then couldn't find it. And then just kind of stumbled out to see a table in front that Sonny Kiss had set up. He looked like he was out of it. He looked like he was a little bit loopy. And when he got to the top rope and looked like he was a, you know, a a deer on ice, I was like, this is not going to turn out well. And lo and behold, he sat on freaking Kenny Omega's face from a dive from the top rope. So that was real ugly. It was all unnecessary. None of this needed to happen. Uh, Save your table spots for when they're actually going to mean something. Save your stupid cookie sheets for never. Don't use those because they look dumb. Uh, Kenny Omega doesn't understand what uh, play-by-play is. So don't give him a microphone. Uh, I thought some of this was a good concept. I mean, Don Callis doing commentary at ringside, hyping up Kenny Omega, him being a heel. I like all the Kenny Omega heel stuff. He should be a heel. He's unlikable. I I think having Don Callis as a mouthpiece is good. He can't cut a promo. So this, that's, that's all good stuff. The concept was okay. The match should have been shorter. Uh, they never should have get, given Omega the microphone because he didn't seem to know what to do with it and what to say. He added nothing to, to the proceedings. Um, I actually wrote the uh, wet saltine personality of a wet saltine for Kenny Omega. And then when I used it earlier on for the bicep guy, I was a little mad at myself. I was like, I fucking wrote that for Omega. (laughs) And now I have nothing for later on in the show. But I'll I'll just say he also has the personality of a wet saltine. So having Don Callis as a mouthpiece makes sense. Hey, when you drop an entire pack of saltines into a puddle, you have a a bunch of wet crackers. So... um, which, if you're there's a black more, comedian, that's a better joke. Uh, <laughs> the so I, I thought the, the concept was okay. I just don't think the 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 execution was very good. You know, there was a, a point that you brought up uh, that uh, I kind of forgot about is when Janela was on the outside looking under the the ring. There was a pipe wrapped in barbed wire under there, and oh, was I was like, clear, yeah. And I feel like it it never got used. So I feel like it was supposed to. And maybe he was so loopy that he forgot about it. Because even uh, I think Shivani or Jim Ross said like, like, oh, there's a whole lot of stuff underneath there. Where does that come from? And the other one was like, Joey Janela, he's the bad boy. Remember, he set that all up. Uh, Like, I like that they they explain like how that stuff all got under there. But, like, yeah, there was a pipe wrapped in barbed wire or a bat. It, it looked like a pipe to me. But I'm like, that that's kind of like the Chekhov's gun thing. Like, you showed it and you didn't use it. So, uh, I feel like there was, there was something that happened in that match. Yeah, there was something that happened in that match. I mean, I don't think... Janela's not very good. 
and I don't ever need to see him again. But I feel like he can get himself to the top rope with sure with sure footing and dive off with a leg drop and hit Kenny Omega normally. Maybe he can't, but he certainly didn't. <laughs> and I feel like there's probably some kind of reason for it. Uh, you know, we had the, the, the stupid dancing girls with brooms come out again. I'm, I'm also now wondering more and more, Omega is a definite heel. He took the title and took it to impact. Has that meant anything? He didn't leave the company. He just went and hung out there and did a, yeah, he's just like hanging out in a bus. So what does that even mean? Did he did he steal the title and take it to another company? No. So he took the he won the title and now he goes and appears on their show. Apparently he reformed the Bullet Club or some iteration of it with Anderson and Gallows uh, on Impact this last week. We didn't see anything about that. What are they doing? Like, he's a heel. We get it. He's a heel that stole a title and and, and used Don Callis, an executive at TNA, to do it. I get all that. But to what ends? Why why else are we supposed to hate him? Are we supposed to feel like he's a traitor to the company? And if he is, why does Justin Roberts announce him with such vigor and enthusiasm? I mean, I got it the first couple times when he was kind of a delusional babyface with heel tendencies, but now that he's a straight-up heel, why does Justin Roberts do that? I mean, we had someone like Alberto Del Rio have his own personal ring announcer, right? Yeah. That would inflate his accomplishments or make him seem more grandiose. Well, that would work. Don Callis coming out and saying all the things that Justin Roberts would say would make sense, but... Why would Justin Roberts do that for a guy who maybe took the title? To, why? Why any of this? And just I'll throw it in there I again could, for the I could 10, even 000. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm talking. I much. could even get the him listing the accolades of AEW things, but to but to ring uh, like ring all the accolades of the stuff in other promotions. Uh, the, the currently he is doing doesn't seem like a thing that a company guy should do. He should be like, I can't say these things. Like, in, in, I, I have no problem talking about you being like, yeah, I'll, I'll say you're the longest reigning this there, your seven star machine or whatever. Like, but I can't say that you were on impact. I can't say that you were on triple A. Like, and and that could even be yeah. part of the angle. You could have Justin Roberts, I'm not yeah. going to say this, and Don Callis comes out and grabs the mic and says, you're done, kid, because he likes to use the word kid, apparently, and and do his own thing. <laughs> there are ways to do this. Every single thing that the people are doing around these competitors should be analyzed. You should look at this and say, how can we make this more believable? How can we make this be a little more realistic? How would a company announcer actually announce one of these people? Right? How would our, our, our commentators actually feel about the people and what they're doing? That's the way you should be looking at a show. Because it adds believability. It adds realism. It adds context and storyline. If everyone's pushing the same storyline, it works better. If 
everyone, including the commentators, is not fawning over Chris Jericho's entrance music, it makes him a better heel. When, if Tony Schiavone or Jim Ross would say, for the love of God, like, this guy's so full of himself, he needs everyone to sing along with him to his stupid song. Well, that would make Chris Jericho a heel again, wouldn't it? But saying, everyone loves singing along to this song, Shivani. Well, why do they love singing along to the song of a guy who has called them idiots and morons and wants to beat up their favorite wrestlers? I mean, I hate to bring that up again, but every single week we see it. There's just, there's no storytelling here. Everything exists in a vacuum. Chris Jericho's entrance is exists in a vacuum. He's a baby face and everyone loves him when he comes out. But then we're supposed to dislike him. Or are we? Uh, Kenny Omega is supposed to be a heel, but during his promo, the the, the ring announcer wants to sing his praises. I, I don't I don't get any of this. It's it's such a lack of yep. attention to detail and and continuity that it is shocking. why a uh, wrestling promotion hasn't hired you to be their continuity expert is beyond me, Kevin. I mean, they were looking, they were looking for one in the WWE a couple years ago and I applied and they said that my 10 years in craft brewing uh, did not, uh, did not translate uh, very well. Made you overqualified. No, they said that my, basically my credits didn't transfer was, uh, was more of the verbiage that they used. Oh, they're not accredited? No. In, uh, I, no. My my breweries are not accredited in the world of professional oh. wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... I wanted to I... ask you about something. Have you heard right. Jim Ross's comments? Yeah. Oh. About, like, the AEW roster and all the dives and all the stuff that yep. he doesn't like? That was wonderful. I was going to send that to you when I saw it, but I was like, let's just wait till the next episode and we can talk about it. Uh, like that had like so much like old man get off my lawn uh, tone to it, but I loved it because he was spot on. I, I mean, so uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, I guess uh, JR was, uh, I, I can't remember which podcast he was on, but was talking about the infamous spot uh, where everyone gathers up for someone to dive on them and they all catch them, whether friends or foes. And he's like, I've talked to numerous guys and told them like, you got to stop doing this stuff. It, it doesn't make any sense. Why would you stand there? Why would you jump onto your own people? Why wouldn't they just walk away? And it happens three times a night. It's idiotic. Jim Ross has been a staunch defender of the AEW roster. When people like Jim Cornette have called out the roster for being too small and no stars and all the stupid shit they do in the ring, which we call out and talk about all the time here. Jim Ross has come out and said, listen, this is a good roster with a lot of talented people. He's talked while people like Cornette have insulted the Young Bucks. Jim Ross has said the Young Bucks are great. They're one of the greatest tag teams of all time. He has been a 
very big defender of his roster of the company he works for. The fact that he came out and made these comments was so illuminating because they're so accurate. And the fact that he's an influential person backstage and has talked to people, wrestlers, about these things, you have to believe that's the tip of the iceberg. Because Jim Ross worked for fucking Mid-South. Jim Ross has been in this business forever. Never been in the ring, but he knows how professional wrestling should work. He understands psychology. He understands what good pro wrestlers are and what good TV is. And I just find it so incredible with all the slide and snide comments that he says during a match. At one point during the first match uh, with uh, Private Party and Matt Hardy, they all tagged each other in because that's a thing you can do, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, they're all three in the ring now. Was that supposed to happen? Like, he basically said, like, yeah, this is stupid. We shouldn't be seeing this because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I, I What was funny the- in that spot is that yeah, you right. had all members of Matt, Matt Hardy's team tag each other in. And then the rest of the other team just came in yeah. without being tagged. It just like it just shows no, none of it matters. Yeah. And uh, you know, some people have come out and and talked about Jim Ross and, and said he shouldn't be saying that. He should be a company man. He should do the right thing and push his talent. And at the end of the day, at, at the end of the day, he's right. The reason why this product is not yeah. as good as it could be is because nothing special. Everyone does the same things. It is just a spot show. It's It could be done in a, in a gym to pop someone who's never going to see you again. That's the way they run their shows. Not for continuity, to build to something. Everyone goes out and does everything they can. And I'm actually happy that Jim Ross is actually a voice of reason. Now they're not listening to him, but I'm glad he's there. And I'm glad that Jim Ross is on the, on the side of the good guys because... You know, Jim's getting the paycheck and I respect him and he's still he still does some great work on commentary. Uh, I I was worried before that, you know, Jim's just not going to say anything negative about this roster. There's plenty to say negative And at least for this time, Jim was willing to speak up about it. Good old Jr. Yeah. Go Jr. <laughs> I want to hear more. Uh... Yeah. Oh, give give him uh, a few Moscow mules and uh, <laughs> just hang out with him for a couple hours. But but you know what? I have to point out six months ago, Chris Jericho complained that no one's using the tag ropes. He then put on the stadium stampede. So one thing does not necessarily lead into the other. <laughs> so maybe Jim Ross. Indeed. Maybe Jim Ross can't stand the outside dive, but really likes the, div- the dinner debonair. And then I... I, I was just about I'm, to say. I'm lost. <laughs> I have nothing to say to anything like that. I'll forever be confused. Yeah. Um, all right. So over on the... Uh, I just... Scanning down real quick the NXT uh, thing, and uh, Kyle O'Reilly is going to be taking on Finn. Uh, rematch of their previous title match. He beat Pete Dunn. 
to be the number one contender. Was it a one-on-one match? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I guess they split off uh, Karrion Cross and Damian Priest into a program of their own. Well, at least they didn't do another multi-person match for that. I think that's great. And Kyle O'Reilly versus Finnegan, I will sign up to that after seeing their last match. Yeah. So that's going to be at the New Year's Evil uh, card on the 30th, I think is when they're doing that. Same day as the that would make first sense. day of whatever, yeah, uh, whatever AEW is calling their thing. I can't remember. Um, but uh, anything else you want to you want to talk about before we sign off here? No, I think we we have to talk about uh, what we're going to do next week and the week after and stuff about our usual rundown of our awards and our predictions and all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe it's best to talk about that off air, but uh, I mean, I was, I was thinking maybe we should do uh, do some awards coming up here. The, the that famous we should. spots of awards. Uh, uh, world renowned. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's, it's like Oscars, Grammys, Golden Globes, Miss Bottas Awards. It's, it's right up there with the, the best. I mean, I put the we're, MTV we're even more important than, uh, Siskel and Ebert's thumbs. I, I would, I would put the MTV movie awards, uh, up a little bit over us, but I, I like where your head's at. Do they still do those, by the way? We're, we're above awards? the MTV Music Awards, though, right? Oh, yeah, for, for sure. That's Yeah, they're not even about music anymore. <laughs> no, the one with the golden popcorn, the uh, MTV Movie Awards. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, I didn't make that up, did I? Or It had a Spaceman, too, but that's right? for the Music Awards. Spaceman and the popcorn? There's a movie thing. That was the Music Awards? No, there's a movie one, too. I remember the popcorn, yeah. Yeah, that's a movie. Movie, popcorn, music, spaceman. That's the way it works. Tomato, this, tomato. We're, we're getting too much into our other podcast. Uh, Mike and Kevin try to remember trophies. Um, <laughs> we record that on that Fridays. On all, uh, yeah, we record that on Fridays. Yeah. You, you can find that on all uh, fine podcast services. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I guess we could, uh, we'll talk about that off air. Maybe come back with our end of the year stuff uh next week and then uh predictions after that yeah i think that's a good idea but um uh, other than that anything else you want to add nope jim ross keep speaking out and make that show better please (laughs) yes please thank you and more please please and thank you Uh, all right thanks everyone once again for joining us uh, we will be back here next week, hopefully with some end of the year stuff. And that will be, that'll be before Christmas. So we'll wish you a Merry Christmas next week. You're not getting one from me this week. Uh, for Kevin, my name's Mike. We'll see you next week. Good night. Good wrestling.